Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. And I, I was reading about it, and, 
And uh, Robert Wadlow, back in the 40s, he died in 42, I think it was, or 1940. Robert Wadlow was eight foot 11 tall, eight foot 11 inches tall. My grandfather met him. He was the tallest man ever recorded in modern times. My grandfather met him and had a picture with Robert Wadlow whenever, whenever the kid, he showed it to me, had a photograph with Robert Wadlow. And so, so that is, it's not quite, that's six inches different, not that much. But Goliath was a little different than Wadlow. Wadlow could barely walk because he had gigantism. Goliath was a big, mean, tough man. And he, along with his sides, he probably had shoulders that he couldn't get through one of these doors with. And, and, uh, and he had arms that were bigger than most men's legs. And, and he, had, he had a chest and had a 14-pack or 24-pack instead of a 6-pack. He was so big. He just was up. Now, now, me, I have a cat. But anyway, um, but uh, so he, he was just a big, tough man. David comes out there. For 40 days, the scripture tells us Goliath had been there. And this isn't the main focus of my message, but for 40 days, Goliath had come out and said, you know, send me a man. I want a champion. Send me a champion. Send me someone to fight. And, uh, and so... Yeah, when 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 um, when David gets there, he looks and finds the people of Israel, the army of Israel, petrified with fear of this man, and he says, "Is there not a cause? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is speaking against the people of Israel?" He goes out, takes a uh, takes a swing, and a lot of times we 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 tend to think a little differently about that situation. We tend to think, well, here, here he went out maybe with a little sling or something. A lot of people don't understand that those slings were a serious weapon. And one guy, he said, he said, if you want to really think about it, as good as David was, it was probably like Goliath had a sword and uh, and David had a 45 because he could stand back and, and kill him. And he did. He killed Goliath and he cut his head off and so on. So after the defeat, of Goliath. The Bible says that it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of uh, the Philistines that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets with instruments of a joy and with instruments of music. But one of the songs that they sang as they came back they advanced. And here they come. They defeated because as soon as as soon as Goliath went down, the Philistines ran, and the Israelites got their courage back, and they came rushing at them, and they killed them, and they pillaged and they spoiled, them, and they took the loot from them, and, and and just beat the living daylights out of the Philistines, and all was good, and everything was great, and so on and so forth. And they come marching back. Saul comes marching back at the head of it. Maybe David's walking a little behind him. Because you didn't watch him walk in front of the king. Carrying the head of, uh, of Goliath and so on. They come marching back into, uh, uh, into the cities where of, of Israel, the Bible says. They walk through there. They must have a triumphal entry or a triumphal uh, parade through the cities. Hey, we're going to have a parade today. We get to see the head of a decapitated uh, man and so on. And so they come through, and they all came out to meet the, the, Israel, the army of Israel, and, and they all came out to meet Saul, and they had tablets and with joy, and they were playing instruments, and they were singing a really neat song that said, Saul hath killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. Amen. Amen. And so in the midst of this, says that all the women of Israel, you know, I, I don't know what David looked like, but I suspect that David was a good-looking young man. He was, uh, Joel thinks he looked like him. Maybe he did look like Joel. I don't know. They say that I called him a bad word last week. Uh, I did not do that on, on purpose. <laughs> it was a slip of the tongue. It was just, I, 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 they, I said, I did not do that. And then they played it back to me, and there was a uh, time when I said something about absolutely, and it came out the wrong way. But anyway, we'll forget about all that. It's actually kind of funny. But uh, so, uh, but maybe it looked like Joel. I don't know. Stand up, Joel. 
Stand up. You, you point at you. Look at it. Flex your muscles. Take it. You said it down that. Amen. So, so maybe you look like Joe. Come in. Good looking as can be. Just as handsome. Amen. As you could possibly imagine. And all the women of Israel, and this must have been tough. Some of the husbands were like, hey, man, you come out here, you better stop that. Amen. But to all the women of Israel who were, had, a, had a crush on him immediately. Anybody ever see the old videos of, of, of the Beatles? And the girls are like, oh. You ever see that? Oh. Oh. It's just dumb. <laughs> Did any of you ladies ever do that with rock stars? I just said Just said So, and, and so the heroes, here was all of the women of Israel. The Bible said they came out. Oh, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousand. Hey, 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 Susie, would you? Oh, oh my heart, oh my beating heart. Amen. And, uh, and so on, because David offered you just something else. But there was one that saw him. The Bible says that there was one named Michael. Amen. That Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. She fell head over heels in love with David. When he came walking in, there's a, oh my, I believe that, uh, that I have seen the, the love of my life. And, and, uh, and I, I, I just... Uh, he's, a, he's handsome, he's debonair, he's a hero, and all of that. And everybody fell for him, and, and Michael fell, fell for him. And, and you need to understand something about this. It wasn't, it wasn't just that, that David was a good-looking guy who had whipped a big guy in, in battle. But, but you've got to understand that the, other than the physical attraction... And the infatuation with the character of David, there was an understanding that David had brought deliverance to Israel. Amen. Goliath had challenged the camp of Israel for 40 days. And, and for 40 days, Israel was demoralized. It was humiliated. And, and I'm going to tell you why these people came out. Israel is a small country. A fast runner can run from one end to the other in just a few days. Amen. And that's the way that they did a lot of their... They, they run across from here. And, to, to, and so there were people going and, and, and traveling here and traveling there because news travels fast, especially when it's bad news. And they were going into the cities uh, uh, all through Israel and saying, we are in trouble. The Philistines are out there. They've got a secret weapon they've never brought before. We've never seen a man like Goliath. Uh, amen. And we're, we're about to get our tails whipped uh, really, really bad. And if the, if the, if the enemy wins, uh, amen, we're going to be in trouble. And Michael in her home heard this news uh, and she thought, why doesn't my dad do something about that? Uh, amen. But the Bible tells us, uh, and the Philistines uh, said, I defy, or the Philistine Goliath said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And that should have been fought. Saul. He was the king. He was hand and shoulders above every man in Israel. He knew how to fight. He knew how to win wars. He knew how to fight battles. But the scripture said, and when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Michael's daddy should have taken care of it. Daddies do that sort of thing. Daddies will take a bullet for their daughters. It's just the way it is. It's for their kids. Michael's daddy, but Michael's daddy was hiding in the tent, hoping for a miracle. And he had no idea where it's coming from. Because he wasn't going to go out there and use his armor and his sword against that guy. Because that dude was big. Amen. And David came along and he became a deliverer of Israel. The Bible speaks of Moses and others as, and, and Gideon, Deborah, and people like this as deliverers of Israel. Amen. And he became a deliverer of Israel. And Michael fell in love with him. 
me tell you something. It's a beautiful love story when a person falls in love with Jesus. Amen. Amen. When, when an individual has been bound by sin and, and haunted by guilt and years of fear and strife, strife in their life and no hope that they can find anywhere. And all they see is darkness, darkness, darkness. Everywhere they look, everywhere they turn. Amen. They turn to, to philosophy. They turn to therapy. They turn to drugs. They turn to alcohol. And they've done all of this sort of things. And they're so bound by sin. And, and every champion that they have looked for has failed them. Amen. Their friends are not there. Their family is not there. Their doctors haven't helped them. Amen. And after all of this sort of thing, and after they have no hope, and all they see is darkness, Jesus, the light of the world, steps in to their darkness, vanquishes the enemy, and lifts you out of bondage. It's no wonder we fall in love with him. Oh, Jesus, think about your life before Jesus. Think about your life before he reached down into your situation that nobody else can help. Is it a wonder that you fall in love with Jesus? Amen. So consequently, it was no wonder that going back to the original story that Michael fell in love with David. Amen. Think of the fear. Think of the abject fear. Goliath and his bunch, if they defeat Israel, what's going to happen? They're going to come rolling to the country. This is what happened back then. Nowadays, you sue for peace. And you get together, you sit down at, at a table. Back during the, the, the horrible war called World War II, when it was all done, Japan said, we are done. You get to nuke this a couple times. You firebombed our cities. You just almost destroyed us. And... and, and uh, Hirohiko, the, uh, the uh, emperor, said, this is enough, we're done with it. And they went in and they, um, they surrendered on the, on the deck of the, somebody help me, Missouri? Missouri. The deck of the Missouri. They, uh, they surrendered on the deck of the battleship Missouri in August of 1945, I believe it was. Yes. And they, they, they surrendered there. That's the way they used to do it. Or that's the way they do it more now. Back then... You swift the enemy's army. Then you went to their towns. And you, 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 you pillaged the towns. You killed the men. You, you stuck swords in the babies. You raped the women. You took them as slaves and, and, it just, and, and burned the city to the ground. That's the way you did it. That was just the way it was done. Amen. And, uh, and so, so this is the, the perspective of future of all of the people in Israel if Goliath and the Philistines won the battle. So there was fear. For 40 days, they waited for the news that Goliath had overrun the camp of Israel and they were headed for them next. For 40 days, amen, they woke up in the morning expecting to hear the pounding of hooks, amen, and the, the footsteps, the heavy footsteps of enemy soldiers and they went to bed that night with fear in their hearts. Amen. It's no wonder that Michael fell head over hell in love with David. Because this man, he wasn't just good looking. He wasn't just seminary. He, just, he didn't just have a great personality and, and could talk in front of people and do all this kind of stuff. But he had made them safe from the enemy. He had delivered them. Right, right. Why do you think that all the women had a crush on David? Not just because he's good looking. He's probably pretty average in a lot of ways. But he delivered them. And thought, love this man. Amen. Amen. Michael loved him so much that even at one point, whenever Saul was out to kill David because of the, the, the horrible jealousy that he had for him. When all Saul was out to kill David and sent his messengers with orders to kill him. Michael secretly went and hid David, or sent, sent David away and hid him away, pretended he was healed. When they came back, they found that there was a, a bannequin of sorts uh, that she had created there. And so she literally, she literally 
put herself in danger. You see how that was Saul's daughter. You don't know the way people operated back then. Yeah. Amen. Herod Antipas killed all of his kids, I think it was. They just didn't care. And, and she put herself in danger because she loved David so much. What a beautiful love story. And it really is. It's a beautiful love story. David literally put himself in danger. Killed a hundred Philistines, I believe it was. And uh, brought back trophies, if you will. And uh, to win Michael. <laughs> Amen. And so, but something happened. Through the next few years, we find that David was ran ragged by something. And, and, and David was, was on the run. And so Saul turned around and did something that he had no right to to do. He may have thought he had a right to do it, but he did not have a right to do it. He had given his daughter to David as a wife. And she was David's wife. But when David was on the run out of sheer spite and and out of whatever it was, the, the, the jealousy and the anger and the, the hatred in his heart, Saul took Michael and gave her to Falti, the son of Laish, in a place called Galen, gave her to him as a wife. And so, it's a sad story. And here's what's, here's what's also sad about it, because when, when Michael went with this man, I don't know anything about this man. The Bible doesn't really give a lot of information about it. It only mentions him two or three times. And um, it mentions he was given to, or she was given to him as wife. But undoubtedly, and, and, and there, in a way this is a very sad story when you look at it on the face of it, because she must have, he must have fell in love with her. Undoubtedly he did. And she must have fallen in love with him. But it was wrong. She was not his wife. She was not his wife. She was David's wife. And so somewhere along the line, she replaced her love, lost her love for David, and replaced it with love for an alternative. And, and then the scripture says that David, when he, when he won, he sent off and took her from Thothal. Took her from him and brought her back to his house. And so she came home. Very sad situation. But see, she didn't love David anymore. And, and the Bible says this, that her husband Thothal, or Thothal, it says it different ways, went with her along weeping behind her. And then Abner turned to him and said, go back, go. And he turned over. And when you look at that, it's kind of sad. But I want you to understand something. When, you be, when your love for God becomes tempered, and you begin to replace it with, with love for those other things, when you try to pull from them, they will pursue, pursue you. They will come and tug at your they will come looking all of those carnal pleasures those beautiful sins and all of that will tug at you you got to keep in mind she was David's wife she was stolen away from her by, by from him by her father and was given to another the man had no legal right to her amen and these things that you look after and are drawn to have no legitimate right to you. The things of the world have no right to you. Amen. The things that draw at you, they have no legitimate right to you. But they'll pull at you. 
the carnality, the pleasures, uh, amen, the things that seem so beautiful. And it's beautiful, if you will. I'm trying to remember the scripture. I thought about it earlier. I didn't write it down. But uh, Solomon writes about that, that whenever that, uh, I don't remember even much of the, but the, the woman that calls uh, and says, I have decorated my bed for you. The sinful woman that calls uh, and draws the foolish young man. Said, I've decorated my bed. I've made it look good. Amen. Look at all the stuff I have. Look at the beautiful treats I have. Look at the food I have. Look at everything that I have here. There's flowers and, 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 and perfumes. And, and come to my house. Why don't you? And, and, and they don't understand until the sting of death takes them. I wish I had brought the scripture up. But, but it, the thing about it is, it's beautiful. It smells good. It looks good. It tastes good. Good, but it is not legitimate and it has no right over you. Uh, amen. And that's that man, even though he was sad and it's a broken hearted thing, he had no right to Michael. But the problem was, was that Michael had replaced her love for David with love for another. And a beautiful love story goes sour. She came back to his house. And we look, amen, at what began to happen. The Bible tells us the story of when David came and he brought the Ark of the Covenant back. Amen. And, and it had been held for a long time. He probably brought it at that point to Shiloh because that's where the, the tent of the tabernacle was. But it had been held for a long time. It had been held by the Philistines. And then it had set in Bethshemesh and then moved to another place, which I don't remember right now. It was on the threshing floor, I believe it was, of a certain individual. And, and it was there for a while. Or they took it and they left it there for a little while. There had been, they tried to bring it in one time on a, on, a, on a cart. And it was not the way God intended for it to be. Tragedy struck because of their disobedience to God. And now... David said, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to bring the uh, the altar of, of the Ark of the Covenant. I'm bringing the altar or the Ark of the Covenant in the way it's supposed to be done. He took the priest. Uh, they put it on the stage. Uh, they put it on their shoulder. And they began to march into the city. And David was at the forefront of it. And he was dancing. Uh, and he was praising. Uh, and he was worshiping the Lord. Uh, and Micah, and this is something that begins to happen when you begin to replace uh, your love for the things of God with other things. Uh, Micah despised him in her heart. She saw him worshiping. It's funny. I'm going to tell you something that happens when you eat carnal. I've watched people that have grown carnal. Amen. I don't want to say this in the morning. They begin to look down on the things of God. They look down on worship. They look down on holiness. They look down on the word of God. Amen. They're like, oh, yeah, that's not really as important as I thought it was at one time. Amen. That doesn't really make the difference that I used to think it did. Amen. Dressing right and living right, that's not really that big of a deal. And look at the way those people worship. It's just kind of silly. And they're always emphasizing doctrinal stuff and, and I come to church and, and I like the people and all but look at these people they're a bunch of rubes amen they're a bunch of hicks amen and a bunch of white trash brown trash black trash green trash or whatever and why am I even associated with these people right and I know people I know people they used to preach the gospel and now they'll get on Facebook but sometimes I despise Facebook and Instagram. They'll get on Facebook and they'll start talking about things. Yeah, I used to be that way. But I'm not bound by that stuff anymore. I don't have to deal with that kind of stuff anymore. And they despise the things of God. Now, you know what happened to Michael? She became barren. She never bore a child in her life. Because when you despise the things of God, the things that are holy, the things that are right, there will be a barrenness in your life like you've never seen before. Oh God, help us to keep our love on the things of God. Hallelujah. It's a shame when folks 
that God has delivered. Get to the place that they despise the things of God. They chafe at devotion and holiness. They look at those who love worship and holiness and truth as, as something less. They look down. God spoke to Ephesus. And he spoke to a church here. He spoke to a church that had so many good things about it. It was a church that the bishop of that church was Timothy. And he was a great man. And, uh, and, and, and yet the scripture says unto the angel, Revelation 2 and 1, of the church of Ephesus, right? These things saith he, that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven gold candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles. Now, now these people had not thrown everything aside. They had not cast everything uh, to the side. They had not thrown it under the bus, as we like to say nowadays. They, they, they just were casting a little shade on something. See, I know these two times. I think they may, they may already be out of fashion. You're born. Uh, you, 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 if thou hast tried them to say they are apostles, they're not. Has found them liars. Is born, have patience for my sake, have labor. Has not fainted. I'm just going to bring something here. Everybody says they're an apostle, not an apostle. Right. Everybody likes to throw that little term on Apostle so-and-so, apostle here, apostle there. Usually, maybe not always, but usually, when some joker gets up and says, I'm apostle so-and-so, I figure they're not. Amen. Ephesus at least had enough discernment to know when these jokers came up and said, I'm an apostle. They knew they were not. He said, you tried them? Amen. And there's a big part of it. They tried it. They proved it. And has born, have patience for my name's sake, has labor, has some pain. You've still got a lot of it going. Nevertheless, I have someone against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. You're starting to miss something. You're replacing your love for God with something else. Now here's something that that, that 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 you need to understand here too. It's very possible that some of the love for God that has been replaced have been replaced by a dedication and a love to things that they needed to be dedicated to and they needed to love and yet they had replaced their love for God with a love for that. And let me explain this, okay? I love the Word of God. I love truth. I love doctrine. I love holiness. I love church. I love worship. But if my love is for those things and not for God, then, then I'm here to tell you something. Then that love will make you barren. You understand what I'm saying? I am not saying at, what, at any at all. In fact, I'm going to be starting Wednesday night. I'm going to be starting on teaching on holiness because I feel there's a need for it. But I'm not saying at any time that you ever, ever, ever minimize the power and the need of doctrine and holiness and worship and faithfulness and giving and all that stuff. But if that is what you worship rather than God, you will become barren. Right, right. Your love for worship, your love for holiness, your love for faithfulness, your love for the church, your love for all of this better come from your love for God. You don't have to worry about that stuff. You really love God. You really love God. It'll all figure out. You might make some mistakes here and there. You might stumble. You don't might fall. You might be trying to figure it out. But you really love God. 
and you are committed to God, and your first love is burning as hot as it ever has, that other stuff will all come together. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. I'm preaching today. Yep. Hello. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. It really was your preaching and all that stuff. Praise God. Praise God. First Timothy, the first chapter. Paul writes this Timothy's I be softy to buy still at Ephesus when I went to Macedonia. That thou mightest charge some that teach that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give hate heed. Now listen to this. I'm gonna tell y'all something. And I've been talking about this lately because there's been situations and things that have come up. Amen. We live in a time of the internet. And I I, I enjoy the internet. I have, a, I have an iPad here. I, uh, I, go, I go on it and I do a tremendous amount of study. This has made it so easy for me. Maybe too easy sometimes. I don't think so bad. I, I mean, I can, I can copy and paste. Anybody know man? Copy and paste? That's so cool. I can copy and paste the scripture right to my notes. It's really cool. Amen. And if I'm looking for something, I want to find some obscure fact about that I want to preach about. I can go on the internet and Google it and all that kind of stuff. And it's just really cool. And it really helps me in my preaching. It does. Oh, man, it's great. Amen. Amen. It's just, it's just enjoyable to be able to do that. But at the same time, the internet, people, is so full of so much garbage and so much false doctrine and so much sheer idiocy it's mind-blowing sometimes i've said this over and over and over again you don't have to listen to you don't have to watch and you don't have to read every ignorant thing that's on the internet right amen he said neither give heed here's what he said neither give heed to fables and english genealogies which ministers question rather than godly edifying which is saying in other words would you please stop reading those dumb blogs? Come on, get a brain. Those people don't have the truth. They don't know who God is. They're full of baloney. Don't give heed to fables and, and endless genealogies and, and all this stuff that just keeps you going on. And on and on. Get your mind off Jesus. Does that mean the commandment is shared out of pure heart? Talked about love the other day. A love. And of a good conscience, faith and thing. From which some have swerved away. Aside into vain jangling. They have swerved and means to miss the mark. Unto vain jangling. Random talk. Vain battle. Empty words. And that's, that sounds like Facebook to me. Uh -huh. <laughs> Amen. There's such a danger of listening to the wrong voices. Amen. But the Bible says this. I'm not going to preach a long, long time more. We'll see. <laughs> if ye then be risen with Christ. This is Colossians, the third chapter. Seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above. We need to seek that first love. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection. Amen. Set your affection. Amen. I'll tell you what. I, I, uh, I do a lot of driving here and there. And I drive along. And I'm cruising down the freeway. There's not a lot on there. So there's this little button. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of this. It's right usually the, and that other little thing on, on the gap, on the on the column that other people don't know about very much. That little thing that goes like this and makes a clicking sound, that's called a turn signal. Most people don't know what a turn signal is. Have you ever noticed that? Like, what? My wife sitting next to you. What, where's the turn signal? I know that's a new vehicle, it's not broken. <laughs> but on that turn signal, on model, not all of them, on my God, just on the, there, there's this little mechanism, this little mechanism, and it says, uh, it says, cruise. <laughs> and you push and you set it on, and then you get up to the speed, you're on the freeway, I'm not going to tell you what speed I said that, 
But you're going to get up to that speed that you want at. Speed limit 75, say you 75 or 36, 78, sister city does 91. And uh, you set the cruise control. Oh, <laughs> you set the cruise control there. And if you're smart, you're going to set it at a point where the cops are not going to stop you. Right. And so you cruise along and you get to take your foot off of the off of the uh, the gas pedal. And I'm waiting for the real self-driving car to activate back to go to sleep or read a book. I'm really, you know, people say, I'll never do that. I'm like, give it to me, man. Let me try it out. And I hate to drive. I'll kick back, do the same or read a book. But uh, science is always right, so they're going to do it right. You know that. That was facetious, okay? <laughs> but, uh, but so you put on cruise control. And I watch these people, they're like, and then down the road, they're I'm like, I know they have cruise control. I know they have cruise control. It's a 2022 car. I know they have cruise control. What's wrong with you? I'm in the like, Driving these people. And then what they do, yeah, in front of you, and then they slow down. And I've got to get off the cruise control. There's a reason why I set the cruise control. Amen. I don't get in trouble. I don't pull, get pulled over. Amen. I'm able to rest a little bit. I pull my, yeah, she does. I get more tired when I'm constantly pushing and trying to do that. I mean, I, I, I just, and I keep, I'm consistent. He said, set your cruise control, your affections. Amen. Amen. Set your affections on things that are above. Set it where it's supposed to be. Amen. Get Dial in to what you need to be at. Amen. Get dialed in on the things of God. That way you're not always wandering here and there, back and right. forth, and all that stuff. And the pastor in the other car is not going out at you. Set your affections. Amen. Set. Get, get. The Bible says one place I'm set for the defense of the God. Right. right. I, I, I'm set. I, I know where I stand. Founded on the gospel. I'm founded on the word of God. I know what is right. My affections, my thoughts, the things that guide my life, they are set on Jesus. Amen. On the things that are important, the things that really make a difference. Not on the things of the earth. Somebody needs to just begin to find that first love that they used to have. And the problem is, is that as we, as we move on and we walk with God, and most of you have walked with God for a while, amen, as you move on and you walk with God, amen, you, if you're not careful, you can begin to replace your affection or your, your love for God for the things of the world. And the setting that you have, uh, amen, it, it, it begins to get off just a little bit. It begins to get off just a little bit and you become focused not on the things of God, but on the things of the, of, of the world. My dad used to tell a story. He said that, that when they did the moonshot, they would set the attitude of the spaceship and that, that attitude of the spaceship, that is the word. They use it in aircraft too. Attitude. The attitude of the spaceship. They had to set it exactly right. Because 230,000 miles, I think that's the part of the 230,000 miles, they might be an inch off here, but they're 1,000 miles off there. And if, you, if your attitude is wrong here, it's going to mess you up over there. Really big time. And it might just be a little off. So you set your guidance, you set your navigation, you set your affection on the things of God. Looking unto Jesus, which is the author and the finisher of my faith. Amen. Because if you don't, you'll lose that first love. And follow after vengeance. And I'm going to close. Almost 30 years, 35 years ago. In 35 years in March. I stood, my wife stood probably get on about this. But uh, I stood on a platform in Azusa, California. It was a suburb of Los Angeles. My tuxedo. 
That order, I think it was only second. My father-in-law and my father were here. And, or my father was here. My father-in-law was up there. Yeah. And after a long time, to go off to my wife's funeral, my bride, after a long time, the back doors opened, and on the arm of my father-in-law came walking up the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. That was his key. She was, she was Sister Lisa Savala at the time. And she was absolutely beautiful. I remember. I remember standing there. I remember very clearly. And I felt the blood kind of drain. <laughs> like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Sort of thing. And, and she was stunningly beautiful in her wedding dress. Unbelievable. It was almost 35 years ago. This morning, while we were getting ready, I looked at the Bible and said, You are so beautiful. Do you know why I say that? Because she is so beautiful. And I love her more today than I did 35 years ago when we first married. And I love her till the day I die. If you lose your first time, for God. And you lose your first love for the things of God. You'll become barren in God and in your life. I think somebody needs to start rekindling that first love right now. I think somebody just needs to say, God, I love you so God, I need you so much. Hallelujah. I need you, Jesus. I want to feel. I remember. I'm going to tell you what I remember when I first came to the Lord. When I first was baptized in Jesus' name in that little river near Fresno, California. When I first received the Holy Ghost in that little church in, in Clovis, California. Amen. Whenever I went to Dinky Creek Campground. Amen. It was renewed in the Holy Ghost. Elder Von Morton preached the gospel there. Whenever I, I remember laying on the concrete floors at the old Prescott camp and sobbing my eyes out. I remember laying before God as God called me to the ministry. All of that is great, but what about today? Oh God, I want to renew. I want that love that I have. I want it to burn and grow in my heart. I drive down the road and listen to music and I pray and I feel something come oh, over me. Oh, God, I love you. Oh, God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace in my heart. Thank you. I've been praying a lot lately. Thank you, Lord, for your long-suffering towards me. Thank you, Lord, because you've been patient. And I feel this love begin to flow over me. Amen. And the feeling of the presence of God. And I lay it down. And I feel the love of God. Oh, God, don't ever let me forget that and lose that. Jesus, I don't want to ever despise the things of God. One of my favorite songs of all time was written by Andre Crouch. And it says, Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Oh, take me back. Take me back to Lord. Oh, where I first believed. Oh, God, I want to go back. I want to feel the presence of your Holy Ghost. I want to walk in your life like I once did. I want to feel the love that I felt. She saw a man that one time she loved, but now she despised us. Oh God, I don't want to ever feel that way. Oh God, I want to love you. I want to love the things of God. I want to love the 
your doctrine, your truth, your word. I want to love your people. I want to love your worship. I want to love your holiness. I want to love you, Jesus. Oh, why don't you stand right there? Oh, he's going to love us.